this evening we are in session number 12 in our series of studies on kingdom values. I hope and pray that this series have been helpful to understand what God expects of us. If we say we belong to God's kingdom, we should exhibit characteristics of the kingdom. And that's what we have been doing. And this evening we are looking at the value of generosity, the value of generosity. Generosity allows us to give to others because God has abundantly given to us. We give because we are not the owners of what we have, but we are only stewards. God has given to us. He expects us to make wise use of it. And remember, when you are speaking about generosity, don't think only about money. It's everything that God has given to us. As people will always speak about the three T's, the time, the talent, and the treasure. God expects us to be generous in each of these because we don't own any of that, isn't it? You know, God is the one who owns it. He has given it to us for a purpose. So we should be good stewards of it. If we are not good stewards, the opposite of generosity will be greed. I want more, I'm not satisfied. Or stinginess, you know, we want to keep it all for ourselves. Selfishness, miserliness, these are the opposites of generosity. But God wants us to be generous people because God himself is a generous God. And that's what we're going to look at this uh, evening. Characteristics of God's generosity looking at examples in the scriptures about people who were generous and also some practical things that we can do in our lives, changes in our lives so that we can be more generous. First of all, what is generous or generosity? The modern English word generosity derives from the Latin word generosus, which means of noble birth. Okay? The origin of this word is that people who had nobility, people who are of noble birth, they were expected to live a different type of a life. They were not common people, they were of noble birth. So when God expects us to be generous, remember, we are part of God's family. We are nobility in that sense. So God expects us to be noble, true to the, expects us to be generous, true to the root word meaning of, of noble birth. Also, if you notice in the fruit of the Spirit, we find this word generous. Now, you may ask me, where is it mentioned? The fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23 says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Now, the word goodness over there comes from the Greek word agathosune, which describes the state of being good, kind, generous, and godlike in life and conduct. So if I generosity, goodness, a fruit of the spirit. So when you're thinking about this word generous, yes, we have people in the world who are very generous people, you know, who give, you know, to others or help others who are in need. But this is a kingdom value because this goodness, this generosity comes from God Himself. It's a fruit of God's Spirit inside of us. So if we say the Spirit of God is living in us then generosity is a product. You now you can see a byproduct of the very life of God living in us. So let's look at, first of all, 10 truths you know, 
about the generosity of God, the generosity of God. Remember, our God is a lavish, overflowing, generous, bountiful, magnanimous God who loves to give good gifts to his children. Now, you may say, you know, how do we know that? Just look at creation itself, okay? Just get a glimpse looking at creation of God's overflowing, lavish nature. Remember, he created billions of galaxies and stars, you know? Not just one, billions, billions, you know, of galaxies and stars. The sun, the moon, the planets. God didn't just create, you know, just one simple kind of star, you know. He was very generous in his creation. That's what the Bible tells us. The heavens declare the glory of God. Look at the earth, for example. Also, there are more than 750 species of butterflies. Okay. Again, you will say, oh, butterfly is a butterfly. But look at God's lavishness, generosity. If you go to a butterfly park, you will find so many different you know, species, you know. At least 750 species you know, are there, or more than 750. Also, you have 11,000 species of moths that have been recorded, and many more are yet to be recorded. There are around 22,000 species of fish. Now, you may know the names of only the simple fish, you know, the everyday fish, but there are more than 22,000 species of fish. There are over 150 species of roses, the flowers, so many varieties, just rose itself, 150 species. There are 35,000 species of spiders in the world. Now, you may look at a spider and say, oh, that's only one species. No, no. There are different types of spiders, more than uh, the 35,000 species, and definitely the greatest, the most generous gift of God is the gift of his son, isn't it? Where the God sent his only son into this world. That's the height of generosity, you know, to give his own son to die for us in order to save us. So let's look at a couple of passages of scripture, 10 different truths, you know, that will encourage our hearts this evening to say, hey, my God is a generous God. Number one, God has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3 tells us, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. If you want to underline things, you can underline that every over there, isn't it? Not only has God made us his children, adopted us into his family, not only has he made us joined as with Christ, but the scripture tells us every spiritual blessing, you name it, he has given it to us. You know? That's how lavish the Lord is with his blessing. Secondly, God has lavished his grace upon us. Ephesians 1, 7 and 8 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us. God doesn't just give us a small amount of grace. The word that is used there is he lavishes it upon us, pours it upon us. It's an overflowing of his grace. There's no short supply of his grace. God says, my grace is sufficient for any need. It's sufficient. That's the 
lavish grace that he showers upon us. Very, very generous he is to us. Thirdly, our Father gives good things to all who ask him. I'm sure you're familiar in Matthew chapter 7. Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. And then, if in case you are not sure of this, Jesus continues on and says, you know, which one of you, if his son asks him for a bread, you know, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? How much more? The Lord says, if an earthly parent is generous towards his children, how much more God is waiting to give good things to us. Generous. All that we have to do is ask him, receive it. Fourthly, our Father graciously gives us, not only the good things, all things. All things that we need. Romans chapter 8 and verse 32 tells us, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him, again, graciously give us all things? So if in case you're going through situations in life and you're feeling, oh, I need this, you know, God says, I'm willing to give it to you. Would you trust me for it? You know, if we recognize our God as a generous God, we can come before him in all humility and say, Lord, this is my need. Remember, the scripture is not speaking about the all things of anything that you want. It's anything that you need here. God is willing to give it to us. In what comparison? If God did not keep it to himself, if he was willing to come down and die for us, how much more? The nitty-gritty, everyday things of life, you know, he will also be willing to give to us. Number five. Our Father has abundant goodness stored up for us. Okay, in other words, the scripture is saying there's a reservoir, you know. It is never going to be run empty. Psalm 31 and verse 19 says, Oh, how abundant is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you and work for those who take refuge in you in the sight of the children of mankind. How abundant is your goodness? Okay. Now, in Bombay, for example, we depend on the lakes, you know, for our, you know, water supply, reservoirs, you know. If it doesn't rain during the season, you know, we say, hey, you know, water is going to be shortage. But no, there's no shortage when it comes to the goodness of God. The reservoir that is packed sufficient for our everyday need all the days of our lives. Sixthly, God loves to satisfy us with his goodness. He longs to satisfy, give us his satisfaction by his generosity. Psalm 65 and verse 4 tells us, Blessed is the one you choose and bring near to dwell in your courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, the holiness of your temple. I'm sure each one of us wants to be satisfied, isn't it? And people look for satisfaction in different, different things that the world has to offer. But the Lord says, come to me. I will give you satisfaction. I'm a generous God. Drink of the well. It will never run dry. Number seven. 
God enriches us in every way that we might be generous. 2 Corinthians 9 and 11 tells us you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. In other words, God is generous. God enriches us. God blesses us so that we can be generous. You know? If we are only receiving and receiving and receiving, what will happen? We grow fat you know? and sometime or later it will get burst. Or if you're looking at another analogy, the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea is called the Dead Sea because there's only an inlet, there's no outlet. So as a result, everything that comes into the sea, the thrash and everything just gets settled over there and there's no life in that area whatsoever. But if you're looking at in a regular sea, you know, it has an inlet, it also has an outlet. So as a result, whatever comes in, it's washed into the sea and there's always the freshness. God wants us to remember this truth. So when God blesses us, give it to others, because that's the reason why God has blessed you. Number eight, God is our ultimate joy, but he longs, loves to bless us with our heart's desires. You know, Psalm 37 and verse 8 tells us, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will fulfill the desires of your heart. God wants to bless us, yes with all goodness, with all good things. But ultimately, God wants us to be delightful, delighted in who he is, that he is our ultimate joy. If we have that joy, that is God's greatest joy for us. You know? And as a result, you know, he would say, here's my beloved son, here's my beloved daughter. I delight in this individual. Number nine, God makes all grace abound to us that we might abound, okay? All grace, so that we might abound. Second Corinthians 9, 8 tells us, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. He gives of his abundance, so that we can also give in abundance. That's the proportion. It is not to say, okay, he has given you 100, you give a measly 10. No, he has given you an abundance, given abundance, because the scripture tells us God loves a cheerful giver. And finally, number 10, God supplies all our needs out of his riches. We serve a rich God. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19 says, my God will supply every need of yours every need of yours according to his riches. You know? Not just some of our needs, not just one of our needs, but every need of us. That's the God whom we serve. He's a generous God. So on one side, give thanks to God, experience his generosity, and also remember the reason why God is generous with us is so that we in turn can be generous with others, both with our time, our talents, and our treasure. Now let's look at some examples of generosity in the Bible, okay, and how we can also emulate their example. Number one, generous people often give more than they are asked to give. You may ask me what's the definition of generosity. Generosity is giving more than what you are asked to give. In Exodus chapter 36, 1 to 7, we find that when the tabernacle had to be built, you know, contributions were asked, contributions were asked. And then finally, the people gave so much that Moses had to ask them to stop. 
I wonder whether there'll be a time like that where people give so much that the people you know, in charge say, please stop giving. That's generosity. And that's the example that we find in scripture. Be willing to give over and above that which you have desired or want to, as it were, so that the need is definitely, totally met. Okay. So generous people often give more than they are asked to give. Secondly, generous people give in response to a great cause. You hear there's a need, so you don't stop and say, okay, that's not my job. No, when you hear of a need, generous people say, okay, here's a need. I'm willing to go and help in that need. Time, talents, or treasure. In 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, we, we see that the Corinthian church gave faithfully to help a community of people whom they had never met. They were part of the family, you know, but they have never met them. So when they heard that there was a need, heard there was a famine, heard that the church there was suffering, they say, hey, let's collect some funds together so that that need would be met. So it's in response to a great cause. So when you hear about needs, a generous person is willing to contribute their time, contribute their efforts, contribute their finances. Thirdly, generous people give out of their substance, whether large or small. Now, when you think about generosity, don't think only in abundance. Okay? Even if it is small, your willingness to give shows that you are generous. If you keep it to yourself, that's not generosity. Remember in Luke's Gospel, chapter 21, Jesus spoke about the widow's might. You know? She gave only that might, single might. But the Lord says that she gave more than the others who put in. Okay? So it's not a question of your amount that you have given, but it's more of a question of the amount that you have kept back. So whether it is large or small, God wants us to be individuals who are willing to give. So even if it is small time, be willing to give. Even if it's a little of you know, what you have received, maybe as a pocket money, maybe as you have worked you know, somewhere, be willing to give of what God has given to you. Don't think, you know, once I have a large amount, then I will give. Learn to give that small because that is what God is looking for. Give out of your substance, whether large or small. Fourthly, generous people give more than just their money, more than just their money. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 10, we find Jesus speaking about the Good Samaritan. Now, what did the Good Samaritan give? He not only gave his time, his resources, and his skill to meet the need of a man who had been left for dead at the end of the road. He made himself available, isn't it? He made himself available and said, he stopped by. That is generosity. He bandaged his wounds, met his needs. Generosity. You know, gave the needed enough funds to help him to recover. That's generosity. Time, talents, and treasure was willing to give. So it is not just the money. You know, it is not just, you know, you see a person in need, you know, just throw some coins and says, I'm generous. No. It's a question of more than you know, just money. Generosity and hospitality are often closely linked. So even volunteering yourself for you know, some groups that require help, that is being generous as well. Number five, generous people give even when it doesn't make sense. Even when it doesn't make sense. In Genesis 45, 
we find Joseph responding graciously and generously to his family, even when logic would tell him not to. That's generous, you know. Not to only those people who can give back and return. Those people who have hurt you and upset you, you're still willing to be generous to them. That's the heart of generosity. Why? Number six, generous people give to help others even when they differ from one another. It is not give only to your friends. You know. The need, even if it is from an enemy, be willing to give of your time, talents, and treasure. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 7, verses 1 to 10, we have an interesting case of a Roman soldier, a centurion, who came to Jesus with a need. And then the people tell him, hey, he's a good guy. He has even contributed to help build our synagogue. Remember, the Roman centurion was not a Jew, but he was willing to contribute because he saw that need. So it is only, and a generosity doesn't give to only those people who think like you. Be willing to see the need and give only also to those people who are different from you. Number seven, generous people give to see the impossible become possible. Remember the classic example of the little boy who offered his meager lunch, you know, five loaves and two fish. He didn't say, you know, look here, this is mine. He didn't say, if I give, what will I eat? No, he was willing to be generous. And because he was willing to be generous and give it to God, what happened? God was able to use just five loaves and two fish to feed more than 5,000 people, isn't it? So never think little of what you are giving you know, and saying, it's no use, you know, it's just so much money or so much of time or so much of my ability. What's the point? No, no. Never think little of what you have. Trust God that God is able to use that, that which you are giving to help people who are in need. Number eight, generous people give us a byproduct of their own personal transformation. Classic example is Zacchaeus, isn't it? First, he was a person who was collecting money, okay? He was in a, a corrupt guy who was charging more in taxes and pocketing all that money. That is why the individuals never liked tax collectors. But once he was saved, once the Lord met him, his attitude changed. He was a transformed person. From a collector of money, the scripture says, you know, he became a giver of money. If I have wronged someone so much amount, I will give double in return, triple in return. Transformation of the heart shows itself externally by the giving because he recognized this is how much God has done for you. So who are you to take it all for yourself? You are willing to give to others who are in need. Number nine, generous people give out of their own poverty. Poverty. Luke's Gospel chapter 21, speaking about the widow's might. Okay. Jesus said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All the other people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put all that she had to live on. So, there's no question of, look, I can't give. You know? Remember, the widow was willing to give all that she had. If we are willing, even as young people, to give our lives to God when we are young. Don't put it off and say, when I'm older, when I'm settled, then I will give my time, talents, and treasure to God. No. At this age, whatever age you may be in today, if you are willing to say, Lord, here's my life, take it and use it for your glory, God is able to do that.
Number 10, generous people give when others will not. Don't wait for others to give. You know, a generous person says, even if others are not willing to give, I will give it. Okay. Philippians chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. The apostle Paul says, not one church shared with me, but only you guys, the church at Philippi. Okay. That is what he speaks about this church at Philippi. Others were had their own needs, maybe they were concerned only about themselves, you know. But he says, he commends the church at Philippi and says, others didn't, but you did. So don't wait for others to take the first step. If God lays it upon your heart, here's a need, be willing to pitch in and help. Be willing to pitch in and give your time, talents, and treasure. Fifthly, let's look at five things the Bible says about generosity. Simple things. Number one, generosity is a simple act. It's a simple act. Hebrews 13, 16 says, do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Okay, With such sacrifice. What is a sacrifice? To do good and to share with others. Sharing is the simplest expression of generosity. Sharing a meal together, sharing time together, you know, that is the simplest thing that you can do. Sitting together, willing to share your time, your talents, your treasure together. Simplest thing. So don't think of the big thing. It starts out small. Think even this week, what can you share with someone around you? The simple acts of kindness. Number two, generosity is all about the heart. 1 Corinthians 13 says, if I give all I possess to the poor and I give my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love. I have nothing. Paul writing there says, I may be the most generous person, but if there's no love backing that generosity, it's useless. So generosity starts from the heart. You are not generous so that people will say, hey, this person is generous. No, it starts from the heart. You understand what God has done for us, how generous, how lavish he is, how he meets all your needs. He says, Lord, you have given it. I want to give it to others as well. It starts from the heart. Okay. Number three, generosity involves more than just money. 1 Timothy 6.18 says, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share it. He's not speaking about rich in money. He's speaking about rich in good deeds. So generosity is more than just money. Giving our time, resources, talents, or even a listening ear or a kind word can be expressions of generosity to people who are in need. I'm sure if somebody comes and spends time with you when you're going through some problem, you know, that is a great help to you, isn't it? At the end of it all, you will tell that individual, thank you so much for your time. That's generosity. Or today, maybe you, know, you can you know, write an email to somebody you know, or encourage you know, somebody you know, who is you know, around you, your friend circle, or somebody whom you know is going through a particular need. All these are expressions of generosity. So don't think about generosity only in terms of money. Think of the time that you can spend, the words that you can give you know, as well. Or maybe if you are good in baking, you can bake something and give. Or you're good in art, draw something and give. Share in those areas. That is the simplest act of generosity sharing. Number four. Generosity teaches us to trust God. It teaches us to trust God. 
1 Timothy 6, 17 to 19 says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, not to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Why are people stingy? Because they think, if I give, I won't have anything. No, no. Generosity helps us to trust in God. God is a giver. If I give, he will definitely replenish it. But if I store up, it will get all you know, moldy. Remember when God provided manna in the wilderness? God told them, you have to eat it. You store it, it will grow bad. But there were some individuals who were greedy, got more, and then they said, and I will keep it. It all got spoiled. You know? Now that's what God wants us to do, to be individuals who are giving and not holding. Because giving generously is an opportunity for us to trust in God's provision. And number five, generosity is a blessing. Remember the words of Jesus, Acts 20.35 says, Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, you may say, how is it a blessing? What is a blessing for me if I give? Let me conclude with four ways generosity benefits us. Four ways generosity benefits us. Number one, we become more Christ-like. <laughs> the more we give, God gave us all to us. And then when we begin to give, we become like Christ. Isn't that a blessing? Because the whole purpose of Christ coming into our lives, becoming a, making us a part of his kingdom, is that we would be made more into his likeness and image. So as we are generous, the blessing that God gives to us is we become more like him. Secondly, we gain freedom from materialism. We gain freedom from materialism. It's a matter of basic physics. The greater the mass, the greater the hold that that mass exerts. The more things we own, the greater their total mass, and the more they grip us, setting us in orbit around them. And finally, like a black hole, they suck us in. Materialism is like that. But when we learn to give, we find that we have freedom. It breaks us out of that orbit around you know, me and my possessions. You know, and it's like we escape that gravity and enter into a new orbit around our treasures in heaven. So the treasures on earth is not the orbiting influence for us, but our treasures in heaven becomes our focus. So we gain freedom from materialism. Thirdly, we are infused with joy. We are infused with joy. When a man saw the treasure in the field in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 13, verse 44, it says he was so full of joy that he sold everything and bought that you know, place. You know. That is the joy that we will have when we have learned to give. A one who, the person who is a giver, you know, is full of joy. The person who is a holder is full of sorrow and worry because he's always wondering, you know, you know, what if things get stolen? Or what if I lose this? Because he's so attached to these things in this world. But a person who's not attached, who's willing to give, you find not only there's no materialistic mindset, his heart is constantly full of joy. When he gives and someone else is benefited and they say, thank you so much, and that brings him joy as well. Number four, 
we store up eternal rewards in heaven. That's a blessing. You're saying, what is in it for me? What's the blessing? Matthew's Gospel, chapter 19, verse 21. Jesus speaking you know, to the rich and you know, young ruler says, Go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. That is additional there, isn't it? He didn't say, now go, you know, become a poor person, you know, and live like a, you know, a vagabond, and then, you know, you'll make sure that you'll go to heaven. No, no. He's saying, you know, you do this, then you will have treasure. It is not that you have lost your treasure, you have actually gained your treasure. And your deposit is kept in heaven, where the Bible says, moths, rust, do not corrupt, thieves don't break in and steal. It is secure. It's a secure treasure that God gives to you, eternal rewards in heaven. Let me close with a couple of application questions this evening. Number one, who in your life is someone that you would consider a generous person? What traits or values do you notice as they serve others? How would you like to grow in being generous to others? Number two, we've all been given resources of time, money, and giftedness. In what area would you most like to grow in being more generous to others? And number three, consider someone in your life today who would benefit from your generosity and how can you demonstrate generosity to that person today or in this coming week? Let's bow our hearts in prayer together.